Welcome, everybody. I am Adam Hergenrother, joined by Hallie Warner, my chief of staff, where this is Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe in personal growth through business success. I want to start today by sharing a story. When I was graduating from college, first of all, I thought for sure that I was going to be down Wall Street. I interned down there. I was part of a class called Advanced Honors Wall Street Seminar. I worked down there. I was like, Vermont is way too small for me. I need to be on Wall Street. I want to work 100 hours a week. I, back then, I was like, man, I'll work I, any hours I want. Even in college, I started wearing a suit. Right? Like, I, uh, I just was like excited to put this on. I was just ready to go tackle the world. And I was like, and all my buddies at the time were going on Wall Street, and I thought this was going to be great. And then I um, kind of threw like a year. I, I went down to Australia my senior year, kind of my junior into my senior year. Um, and I realized I really love Vermont, but I still kind of was like, I really love Vermont, but maybe I just need to be on Wall Street first because that's where the money is. Is, right. That's at the time that was driving me a lot was just money. Right. It was just down there in Wall Street, the, you know, the, all of this. And by the way, this was to put a timestamp on this. Um, this was 2004 when I graduated college. So the recession of 2008, 9, 10, and 11 really hadn't happened yet. So, of course, Wall Street had this big um, kind of glorious kind of theme to it. At least to me, it did. Right. Um, versus now it kind of just it's changed to a certain extent. So anyways. Um, I thought for sure. So anyways, I, um, I ended up staying up here for a girl that I was dating at the time and I took a job right out of, I know, which was great. Um, right out of school, uh, as a commercial underwriter. So I started working for a local bank, a very big local bank that probably had like 700,000 employees or so. And I became a commercial underwriter making like $31,000 a year. And I was like, man, this, I remember calling my dad when I got the offer. I'm like, this 31 grand, this is so much money. This is awesome. Cause I mean, when you're not going from any money, right. Yeah. Except for like flipping cars and buying some real estate in college. I was like, I had the steady income. This is great. Yeah, was 50 I years remember ago. being on the interstate, actually calling my dad and getting, I was like, this is I'm starting next week. Like I can't believe I'm making this much money. Right. It's just, it was really it puts everything in perspective. Right. So, and then I, uh, so I went there and, and, and I, you know, just the novel, just being around work environment was fun. Right. I was showing up. I was just the only one wearing a suit. And then I remember like the first week my manager came up to me and just basically, and they were managers too. They were not lead. They're definitely managers. And, and um, she's like, well, you, you don't need to wear a suit. I'm like, well, what, what, the loan officers are wearing suits. The commercial loan officers are wearing suits. And like, well, they're interacting. You're back here in the underwriting. You don't need this. And I'm, so finally, I was like, okay. So I just stopped wearing a suit. And I came in there. And by the way, I started developing my own routine there. I would get there early, around 7.15, 7.30 before anybody else. And then I would also leave during lunch to go work out. So I still kind of, that was my thing at that point in time. Uh, even when I first started my job, I was like, physical fitness is important to me and and I made sure that was important to me so I just worked in there. So a couple kind of months goes into this and I'm getting my things and I'm underwriting a lot of the stuff and I'm getting approvals and it's it's you know I, I was a finance major so I just I, it became relatively natural to me. I was just kind of underwriting. I love numbers because they tell stories and different things. So I, I underwrote this stuff. And I remember um, about, you know, probably four or five months, four months into this, I just started feeling really bored. I didn't know what the feeling was then, but now when I look back at it, I was just, I was bored as hell. You because, were being challenged, Because what was happening is I would go in the work, and this is this is where it, it kind of hit ahead, um, was I would go in the work and um, they would give me a file and I would underwrite the file in like 24 hours. And then I kept giving them, I'd give me another one, give me another one. And my manager came to me and she goes, Adam, can we have a conversation? I said, sure, let's have this conversation. I was like, I thought she was going to tell me how great I was doing, right? <laughs> and she uh, she said, look, you're making everybody look bad in the apartment. I'm like, how am I making everyone look bad in the apartment? She's like, well, we give you this file and you really need to figure out a way to make this last all week. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? 
No, like, I don't know. Like just, you know, it was very, I just remember being like, what am I, what am I going to do? And I just felt drained. And I was like, okay. Then like the next day they gave me this file to work on. And, um, I started working on it and I was, and it happened to be somebody that I knew and, and they'd given it to me and I worked through this. And at the same time, I got a call from my mom, um, right when the same kind of issue was going on this week and, uh, to let me know she was fired and she was devastated. Like she would worked her a long time there. She had just grown there. And so she was, and I was dealing with that and I was like, well, that's really weird. I'm, and I'm like, why did they, why did they say that, you know, that you were fired? And, and they said, well, because of money issues. So she was like laid off. She was laid off. Yes. And I said, I said, well, that's just not true. I said, I just underwrit his entire account and he's got plenty of money. <laughs> and, uh, as soon as I said that, I'll, I was like, I, not to my mom, I said that. And I, and then I said, go ahead. So I said, I'm going to call the owner of the company. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go call the owner of the company and find out what's really going on. Cause my kind of underwriting kind of kicked in. I'm like, what, what's really going on? Because you're sitting there on seven figures. Like, don't tell me a $60,000 job is why you're doing that. So I called him up the same day. <laughs> this was great, by the way. And uh, I said, uh, Hey, you know, I just, yeah, I heard, and he was, by the way, he had just been at my graduation. Right. So we talked about, you know, in the, our last episode, we talked about, you know, people making decisions, tough decisions that they need to make. And they know it. So he was at my graduation literally like four or five months before. Right. And, um, and so I, I called him up and I said, Hey, what's going on? And he told me the same story. I said, well, that's just not true. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, cause I just underwrote your file and I, and you got plenty of cash in there and it paused. And the minute I said that, I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> I definitely shouldn't have said that. I just, I didn't know what I had said. I just knew that like, I shouldn't have said that even though it was, I didn't disclose anything. It was his file. And, and he paused for like a minute in his pause. I was like, Oh, and then basically what he said to me was, um, when you got hired there, I told them to never let you underwrite my file. And I said, well, I was given the file and I'm, I've been underwritten it because he knew he couldn't lie anymore because he knew I just underwrote his entire file. And when you underwrite the business, you underwrite them personally, right? So I had, I had fully underwritten this thing. And so then I was like, oh, so I hand the phone after that kind of like awkward silence and we talked through it. And I was like, well, I didn't say anything to anybody and I didn't do anything. And then I was like, oh man, this is, this is going to be interesting. So then all of a sudden the, the, actually the, the, vice president of the bank ended up, which is a lot of people there. They called me in their office and I ended up going in there later on that afternoon. And they're like, we've got to let you go. And I'm like, and, and understand that there's two situations going on here. One is I wasn't really actually happy in the job, but the minute I felt like I was going to get fired, I felt like I was losing. Like, cause I want to win. Like it was, and all of a sudden it was no longer my decision doing this. They walked me in there like, we have to let you go. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you have to let me go? You gave me the file. And they're like, we shouldn't have called this person. I said, I talked to him about this. And they're like, well, yeah, it worked out. Anyways, we were, we started going back and forth. And I just said, you know what? I said, fine. I, and I just, I disagree. I, I said, I agree to disagree. And I said, I understand you're now having to make a decision because you would lose this client if you didn't fire me. That's essentially what's happening right here, isn't it? And they're like, yes. And so that somebody had to pay for this. And my manager was sitting there and she would just didn't say anything because she'd give me the file, right? Like, and so she knew, she, I'm sure she got in trouble as well too. Anyways. Was there like a policy that you... No, broke? I didn't see any policy. policy I didn't see anything. You, there was like nothing going on. Like it was just this... Broke it, or like you, a rule that you broke doing that? I, I'm just curious. I, I, I don't know. Because you talk to clients when you're underwriting them. So mm. it's not like I shared this, you know, with anybody else. It was just, it was there. Maybe I shared with my mom. I guess that's the one thing that, that I could have gone wrong in that way. But it was more the fact that I had access to his information, which I was... There's no way for them to even block it. So for them to even say that I couldn't access it or see that would be... Anyways, so... 
get to the point of what it feels like. So this is, I am right into this. I, you know, have no money really saved up. I'm living at home, by the way. So my mom just got fired. She's at home. And then I come home and all of a sudden I go, I, I, I don't think I had a cell phone then, right? So I come home and I'm like, I just got fired for all this. And my mom felt horrible of course, because, yeah. um, you know, of, of like now she's like responsible for me and she's not doing well because of all this stuff. So like it was, it was just, you could, it was a basket of joy in the house. <laughs> And I just remember feeling that I lost, like I would, like I let down or like, you know, personally, like I allowed this to really affect me, um, for a couple of days. And you know, when you're going on vacation, like when you, when you have a job like that and like you go on vacation, it feels like you're on vacation. Like you feel like, Oh, I can just tune out. Like, this is great. Enjoy it. Didn't feel anything like that <laughs> because you have no place to go to. And I was like, what am I going to do? So and it wasn't your choice. So it you wasn't my feel, choice. That's the big thing. Yes. Or... I, I've also been in jobs where I've left and that felt mm-hmm. completely different because you have a new opportunity and you're already working on it, right? Sure. So that one, I was like, man, what am I going to do? So for a couple of days, I just kind of was like, I just remember feeling this hollow sense in there like, wow, like this is really tough. Really, it was, a, it, you know, just all those emotions that anybody feels at any point in time that they get let go, whether it's a re- reduction in force, whether it's an economic condition or whether you just get fired. Like it just doesn't feel good even if you even if you wanted to leave to a certain extent right because again it wasn't your choice exactly do you feel like you failed at all oh yeah i feel like i failed i feel like i let people down i felt that like you know it made a mistake all these different things and 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 i actually might even cried i think i might have like i think i was home and i was just like what just happened in my life type thing like oh my god like it was so insurmountable like Like, pivotal moments in your life and you do cry during all of them. yes i do i do cry during all of them just just let them out and uh i i think i just it was just one of these things i was like when you look back on how small that is to your life it's like such an it's like but when you're in high school you like you think somebody liking you is a big deal right like so in that moment i was like i thought like it was my whole world so it can feel like that right it can feel like this in your whole world so anyways i i said okay what am i gonna do and what i did is i reached out to my professors I figured out who my allied resources were. And within two weeks, I got another job, by the way, two or three weeks, I got another job making like 60 grand a year. So almost doubled my salary. I had my own office. I had a secretary then that, which then led to a whole bunch of different opportunities that were in my life personally in business. Did you get that opportunity through, through through, my professor? Yeah. I was going to say, because I mean, sometimes, and we know this as employers, when we look at a resume and we say, we see, oh, this, and then we talk to them and we say, oh, this person was fired. Yes that can be a deterrent to hire that person. Not always. It depends on the situation and checking references. But what helped for you was your network and your professor. Exactly. And the work ethic that I demonstrated during the time of that, I explained to him what happened. And they're like, yeah, I get it. You probably made a mistake. Did you learn? I said, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. right. And we we moved on from that. Um, The the point I want to say is that when you're you're going through and it first happens, don't pretend like you're not going to feel something, right? Like don't pretend like, oh, I hate them. It's their fault. I, I may have done that for a little bit and I've kind of got like a pity party. You can be victim language. You can be angry. Whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't even matter. It's reality. And it's I think happened. taking a responsibility, not blaming somebody else and taking responsibility, even if you get fired. Even if you get fired. Or, or laid off even, which doesn't feel like your fault. Yes. It's still taking responsibility actually is empowering. Exactly. Well, that's the whole, what other option do you have? You can have the option of sitting there just blaming allowing your mind to talk to you and that you're just witnessing your mind talking to itself about why everyone's wrong. <laughs> what does that do? How does that feel right now, by the way? You're just going to stay in that state forever because you're not allowing the moment to actually come through. So once you actually allow the moment to come because here's the thing if somebody then instantly called you up and said hey i got a brand new job offer how fast would you change your thinking Very how quickly. fast would you change your energy inside yes instantly right you'd go from the most depressed person to like oh my god this is incredible i can't this is the best company ever right i'm so glad i got fired I'm so glad i got fired right so the thing is is you're doing that to yourself 
So when you get into a tough situation, you get fired specifically for any host of reasons, right? You're doing that to yourself. You're beating yourself up. Again, when it first happens, you're in the meeting and somebody's telling you that you are okay. You're allowed to feel the emotions of being human, right? You're going to feel any sorts of anger or jealousy, all this stuff. Don't hold on to it. Let it come through and then say, this happened. Okay. I'm not going to bring drama into reality. Reality is that it did. What do I need to do? Right? You don't just lay down. Like if a tiger is going to eat you, you don't just like lay down and surrender to the tiger. You literally take action, right? You run, do something, whatever it is. Same thing here. You can accept reality and then you start moving forward, right? Just take a step. So me, it was getting your resume, sending that stuff out there. But when you're going through this, if you can't get past those emotions, you're not going to get past anything. And it's just going to be haphazard if luck, if luck comes your way or something. Well, if it's meant to be a job, will show up. No, no, no. And like, I know from interviewing people who've either been laid off or been fired that um, if they haven't let that go, they bring that into the interview. And it is an attitude and in uh, that victim language and that blaming that turns me as an interviewer completely off and it's so clear if they're still holding on to that. Isn't it? Yes. So clear. Yes. Like, you know, I was fired and it's so unjust and it was just, it was all, that's all your mind telling you. That and like, they talk, sometimes talk badly about badly, yes. the former employer and my opinion is if they're doing that, if there's something happens with you and your company, they're going to do that about you. Exactly. And is that really somebody you want to bring into your company? That's exactly right. And so it's just when you're, when you're experiencing these things, right, from an employee standpoint, like those are the things that you're going to go through. And again, and, and the, the, to wrap that quick story up, three years later, I got the Rising Star of the Year Award for the Chamber of Commerce in the state of Vermont. And now the person that had fired me became president of the bank. And the president was the one giving the awards out in this gala, 1,500 people event, 1,000 people event at this big, huge Sheridan that was there. And when I go up to accept award, who's the person announcing me at the award was the guy who fired me. And you were in real estate at that time when you got the rising rising star. Yes, exactly. And so I walk up on the stage and everyone's in there and you know they're in a full suit and I come up and I went to shake his hand and he just looks at me. He goes, I guess it was the best thing that ever happened to you, huh? And I said, yeah, it's funny. We're meeting. So we just had that. And we ended up after there's a cocktail and we talked about for a little bit. He actually even talked to me a little bit about like, it was just a tough decision. Yes. It's because I was either going to lose a client or I was going to do this. And you were unfortunately with the lowest in the chopping block. And and it was just it, whatever the conversation. Well, it's just weighing all the it, weighing, consequences as a business and, owner and making a decision. He's like, I wish we could have kept you. You were like a star in this thing. Like you were doing all this stuff. The board loved you. Again, and so it, it, he had to make the decision. And by the way, he lost. <laughs> well, <I'm, laughs> well, to of a course. certain extent, right? Yeah. Like he he kind of did, like because he, I mean, look what we built, right? Like he missed an entrepreneur in his world that would have taken, right? It just, whatever it is. I'm not going to talk about myself. Let's but you be could, honest. Yeah. It wouldn't have lasted there because you were yeah, going to need to go do your own and, thing yeah, anyway. Exactly. exactly. So anyways, it had, we had to do it. So um, when you, we want to bring this conversation to light, just like when these things happen, wh- where do you need to be at? Like what state it is? And I think how you bring up a really good point where when you're going to start interviewing or even writing different things, how you communicate. Yeah. You know what? It was fired and it wasn't the best. Ex- it wasn't awesome. But here's like, what I learned. Here's what I learned. Here's what I did. Here's what I, this is great. Look, I, I actually, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. This happens all over the place. Right. But if you try to cover up why or what happened, different or things, blame somebody else, employers know that instantly. So mm-hmm. don't play that game when you're going into those different things things. Now, um, so you can kind of talk from the interviewing side as an employer side, again, we kind of talked about that in our last podcast about making very tough decisions. And, and I respected the fact that Michael had to make a very tough decision, right? And you can see that now. And so when people are making tough decisions, they're not easy. That's why it's in business. There's no, 
it's not like seven plus seven equals 14. There's no ambiguity there. There's a lot of ambiguity in gray areas and leadership and decisions. That's why you, what matters most. And at the time he made the best decision with the information that he could. And that's why people are doing it. They're not, most people aren't doing it personally. They're doing it because they're trying to survive or make the best decision they can. Maybe they do it personally, but maybe that's the best they can do at that point in time. Thank them for their service. I've sent out emails to our organization before people go, you know, you know, when people come in, they, they leave at certain times, especially if you're in the 1099 world for real estate industry, people come and go and you're coming like, why would I pour into them? I said, because it's your duty. If you get into a relationship with somebody, whether you're in a relationship with them for a couple of days or 30 years, it's your responsibility when you contractually get together with somebody to pour into them, to give them everything you have. Because here's the thing, whether they stay in your organization for 30 years or three days, how they, what they learn, their transformation of their thinking and you pouring into them, they'll hold on to that forever. And in fact, if they leave and let's say five years later, you see them and go, man, I just remember those times. We have people that have left and I've done webinars and people have been like, I miss you so much from the, the language that you use and like, oh, it maybe hadn't been their decision to leave and somebody else doing it. So you just never know where it's going to come back. So people come back around to those things. So understand that. Uh, well, it's just about serving the moment, yes. serving the person in front of you. Yes, that's that's exactly right. So Hallie, what do people do? Um, let's say they find themselves in a situation where they don't have a job. And we talked about what we do in terms of- Whether they're fired or- Yes, ter- fired lay, or terminate. Um, Positions are eliminated. Yeah. Or we, we started experiencing before we started seeing a kind of a shift, uh, if you will, um, people- quitting their jobs because they were so stable. They thought the job market was so stable that they knew they could find another job and they wanted the right one. I remember you and I having those conversations. So, Yes, that's right, actually. Yeah. A couple people, we did interview a few people who were just like, the where I'm at is not the right fit and I'm willing to take a couple of months to off to find something that is the right is the right fit exactly um because right because the market the unemployment rate was so low so you know you interview 5 10 15 people a week and these are sometimes sometimes yeah. more yeah. Or, or a little bit less so we just we have a lot of interviews going on you have a lot of experience in that so what does somebody do if they find themselves in a situation from an employee yeah so one of the things that you mentioned first is well if you're find yourself unemployed for whatever reason let's just talk about that for whatever reason if you find yourself unemployed um keeping a routine is really important. Yes. You talked about that. If you want to talk about that a little bit first. Yeah. I mean, so the, one of the most important things to do at any time of, you know, kind of you're going through a, a, a new disruption in your cycle, we're creatures of habit, right? So what people, people tend to do is they, they first, the first thing I've seen is people slip, right? When, when things start going off there is they're eating. I don't know what it is. It's like a comfort food. It's what it is. But I just noticed that when any time a shift happens, people go naturally, they, they eat worse. You can control it. They I can, mean, something yes, you can control. Oh, and the, and the you one, control. when you eat something, the blood goes to your stomach and it makes you feel, feel a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. So you do that. And then what happens? You go, well, I eat a little worse. Then you sleep in a half an hour later. And you don't work and out. And then you don't work out. And the next thing you know, then you're like, wow, it was really nice You're not eating working the out second today. pizza for the exactly. day. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you do this. So the most important thing to do is if you want a pity party for 30 minutes, take it. If you want one for 24 hours, Take it. If you want to go eat a thing of ice cream from Ben and Jerry's because Vermont has Ben and Jerry's is great, right? Go do it, right? Whatever it is your thing and your vice, go do it. But tomorrow you start your next day. You start your routine. If you normally get up at four, get up at four, keep the same routine down, keep focusing on the things that you do. The reason why people go, hey, I do so good during the, during the week on my eating. It's just the weekends I lose control. <laughs> 
This is what I hear from you. I go, well, you lost control because you lost. That's your habit. Your habit on the weekend is losing control. Right. That's your routine. That is your routine. I'm like, why don't people see that? Like you're literally, you're just, you're in control of your routine and your habits during the week. And because we, well, Friday night comes along and I just, well, that's your habit. That's not you losing control. You just built a habit around that. And you used your will another time and you just use your will to build the habit of losing control of the weekends. So you can lose that control when you find yourself not into a rhythm. Unemployed. Yeah. So make sure you stay focused. Exercise. I don't care if it's five push-ups or a walk or a run or a swim or a bike, whatever it is, do something that moves you. And then while you're doing either while you're exercising or right after, you should be listening to a podcast, any podcast or reading a book or whatever it is to get you outside of your own thinking of just you watching your mind go in circles because that's doing no good for you at all. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? What is this over there? Just start reading. It starts filling you with more information, okay? And then from there, then just write out a routine, right? So, okay, from nine o'clock, I'm going to, um, you know, listen for a podcast for an hour. And then from 10 to noon, I'm going to apply for jobs. I'm going to search for them. And then I'm going to take a break from noon to one. I'm going to meditate again at one o'clock. And then from one to four, I am going to, um, contact all allied resources or communications people or Facebook message people, make sure my LinkedIn, just keep a schedule and stay with that. You know, and when you're kind of going through this, this, you know, the coronavirus issues that are going on, all schools were canceled. Right. And so as that happened, instantly the first thing to do is you have to keep your kids to a schedule. I even had my kids get dressed, right? Like they were going to go to school. It's a schedule that they give and they crave that experience. They just need that type of structure. So number one is make sure you keep that routine. Right. And then finding a job becomes your full-time job. So when you, when you just said from nine to five, yeah. basically what should you be doing other than your morning routine and maybe meditation or exercise in the afternoon, you should be looking for a job it's so easy to not like you said and just stop and pause I was unemployed for a little bit between actually when I first moved here um, I took a job and was there for a week knew immediately it was not the right opportunity Um, and so I left and I didn't have to I could have struggled along while I was looking for another job but I just knew it in my core that it was not the right opportunity so I found myself unemployed after just moving here um, to the Burlington area and I mean, it was my full time job. Every day I got up, I immediately started looking for jobs. I sent out my resume to, I don't know, 30 places a day, um, uh, got online and networked, followed up with um, employers to schedule interviews, all of that for several weeks. This is actually when I found the job working mm-hmm. here. Um, so turns out it was the best best thing that happened. Um, but just making sure that that is your full time job. And, be- and because I did that, I was able to find it within like two or three weeks. Um, versus sitting around feeling bad for myself or why did I make this beating myself about making that decision or procrastinating and not actually Mm -hmm. doing the things that needed to be done. Um, But other things that people can do, and this is, these are actually things that you should be doing constantly, whether you're looking for a job or not, whether you're um, employed, unemployed, making sure that your resume is up to date. You never know when you're going to need it. Stuff like this happens all the time where there are layoffs or things happen in the economy where you, companies shut down yeah making sure your resume is completely up to date i'm a huge believer in linkedin and making sure that you're constantly networking on there so making sure your linkedin profile is up to date with relevant um, not just relevant experience but also have you written a white paper what are youtube's what um, webinars have you done making sure it's really robust and you have all that information on there Um, and then using linkedin and, and as long as um as well as other networks but linkedin specifically for 
networking, um, talking to recruiters, talking to anybody in your sphere of influence about um, in your allied resources about other opportunities, sending your resume to anybody who will look at it. And who do you who do you know who's hiring right now? Who's looking for somebody with my skill set? Um, and if you can, doing some sort of interim work, like consulting, doing some volunteer work, working on a board, um, again, doing a little freelance, anything like that, just to keep, one, keeping some income coming in is good, but also just to keep your skills up. Because yeah. some people might be unemployed for a while before finding their next right full-time opportunity. So until that, can you work part-time? Can What's you your do side some, hustle? Yeah, can you do some consulting work? In fact, could you have a side hustle yeah. while you're employed full-time? Um, may to even have turn into your full-time job, 100%. Right? I mean, we do talk about having multiple yeah. streams of income, and yes. that is not just for entrepreneurs. That is for um, employees like me yes. too. Like, where else do I have money coming in? Exactly. Do I have passive income from real estate? Do I have, am I doing a little freelance? Do I have my real estate license and get referrals so that if something happened, mm -hmm. I have other income coming in? Yeah. And so then from an employer standpoint, right? Like that's just like what an employee, like when you're looking at this, when you're an employer and you're looking to hire, make sure you, you mentioned this, but make sure you're not bringing the baggage in from your last job because that just shows up. It's all over you. I mean, a zebra just doesn't change its stripes and you can see that coming in a mile right, away. Right. When you're interviewing. Yes. Yeah, when you're, yeah. in, when you're interviewing from those things, um, from it. So w what would you, um, well, can I add a couple yeah, more, th a couple absolutely. more things that someone like my pet peeves went with, yeah. with, um, um, interviewing and just getting resumes actually read the job description and you will set, like employees people who are unemployed and looking for um, candidates people who are unemployed and are candidates for positions you will set yourself apart just by following the instructions on a job ad if they ask for a cover letter and a resume send a cover letter and a resume just doing that alone you will go to the top of my list. And I mean, we get hundreds and hundreds of resumes every week. So um, that's a huge, I mean, probably one out of a hundred do it, which is really sad. Well, why do you think true. that is? Um, because, well, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because people um, for, on the candidate side, I think it's because they can apply so quickly through Indeed or ZipRecruiter and they use whatever preloaded resumes are in there and they're just clicking apply, apply, apply to get as many resumes out there as possible, which is great because it's a number, maybe it's a numbers game and you throw out 50 and maybe one person calls you. Um, so I think it's a little bit of that because you can, it's, it, they've made it so easy, but yet then you're not actually custom. I mean, I got a resume again, decent resume for one of our career opportunities. The cover letter had a different job in there and a different employer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, this person clearly doesn't have very good attention to details, exactly. not slowing down enough to take the time to apply specifically to our job. They're just applying to any jobs, yes. which to me says they don't really care about their career. They're more interested in just a paycheck. Um, and that's not necessarily somebody we want in our company. Or they'll email you and they'll be like, you say, hey, I want to come in for a job. And I go, what job was this I applied yep, for? Yep, that <laughs> happened to me last week. And I'm like, how many? Well, one, it's how many jobs are you applying for? But I mean, you should know who. Or at least or, stop and or, look. Or, or look at look my it name. Up. Exactly. Yeah, look that's up who exactly I am right. and yes. like what, what company Five we are. Five minutes of research first yeah. before you apply Or the that. people who are interviewing and, and saying, can you tell me about the job? Well, read the job or tell me, can you give me the job description? Well, did you not read the job description and exactly. the ad, exactly. you know, just, yes. just things like that. Just really, really doing your research before you um, interview with somebody. Um, and, and just coming to those interviews really prepared is, is so uh, prepared mentally, emotionally, and with, you know, great answers to the questions that might be asked. Yeah. And I remember some of the people that we've hired, um, you know, when people were like, you know, I, I drove to your office the day before to figure out how long it would take me to get here. So yeah. I wasn't late for it. All these type of Versus little. Versus the people that are 10 minutes late calling, calling me calling. saying, where's your office? Exactly. Can you send me the address? Oh, you mean the address that's in our email exactly. signature and exactly. every email that I've sent you. Yeah. And, and when that happens, 
95 percent of the time we just don't even actually move forward with the candidate yeah. like it just it just it it's just particularly for the position if it's a sales position we're a little lenient on those, lean on those yeah. because they're just kind of like that's just how naturally people but are but anybody who's going to be a core staff exactly. member yeah yes. they've got a they've got a we're looking at that heavily so if you want to get in our world and go up in this we're also looking for people who go above and beyond that like they send a cover letter and in their cover letter they're saying hey i listened to the podcast i read they've some read of your blogs yeah. they read our book i really enjoyed it i love to be part of this conversation they're bringing in their they're bringing in some knowledge of what we're doing into it. The other thing is, is and typically, um, most people that are getting to you at least have done an b- extensive amount of research on our company. For most companies that you're interviewing with, there's so much information out there now. There's videos that this the CEO has done, whether you're meeting with them or not, or other people just listen to what it is and bring that message in there and say, hey, I listened to this you know, 15 minute speech that the CEO gave, or you know, I read an article that he published in the, you know, the medical journal, whatever it is that you're doing, just just do the extra work if you have it. It goes, it, what it's showing is, I'm willing to put the company first ahead of time versus being like, I'm just kind of going through the motions right now. Right. Tell me what I can, what you can do for me. Exactly. Versus here's what I bring. I've done a bunch of research and here's what I can bring to you, the organization. Exactly. To help it's you just, guys it's grow. just a little bit of laziness is what it is, right? Yeah. Yes. And you would, again, think that, you know, if somebody is unemployed for whatever reason, they would go above and beyond to find their next Well, I think that that actually strategy actually works for a lot of companies. Oh, yeah, maybe it does. No, I, th- I think yeah. it probably like a lot of like if you're dealing with an they HR, check the, check like the they check the box, it's coming yeah. in there and the skills and it probably works. But if you want to, you know, and I believe that our organization has a is a different feel and vibe from everyone that works here and, and comes into it is, and part of that is because of who we let in, right? And because of the process, everything that you're just describing. So if you want to be that person that stands out from everybody, just follow the process. It's simple, yet it's just don't allow laziness to creep into that. Yeah, and for another, some of the other stuff that we do from an employer perspective is that we are constantly looking for talent. Yes. So yes, we've got a bunch of resumes coming in, and we may or may not have the right opportunity for them, but I'm still looking at them and seeing if anyone kind of stands out to yep. me, and I'll file them away for future opportunities because to me, talent is talent, mm-hmm. and we know at some point they're gonna they're, we're gonna have the right opportunity for them. It just might not be right now. Um, so building that, and I so oftentimes I'll have those conversations with them. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday um, who we had talked to maybe a year ago or so about a, a job. We're not making that hire right now. We may not make that hire for another 12 months. She wanted to stay in contact, had a conversation with her. She's on my radar. So that's actually a smart move from an, a candidate perspective. Just checking in and saying, hey, I'm, I know we did the best companies. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't work out with the, us previously because I know you weren't hiring. I took another job, not loving my job right now, still there. Just want to let you know I'm still available. I'm here, I'm here right. and I'm available when when you guys are ready. Yeah, because just like in a, in a from an employee standpoint, you never know like when something happens and you just you know maybe somebody else comes in, a board comes in and says we are eliminating this. Whatever happens, right? This is reality. It's also the same thing from an employer standpoint is people leave you too, right? Yeah. Like it just it doesn't matter if you're Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or you're company people are going to leave you so if you in this blind loyalty thing like people are never going to leave me we've got this core staff they may say that and they believe it at the time but things happen in people's lives right yeah a lot of times it has nothing to do with the company exactly it's just it's circumstances it's in life my partner life. is leaving or i get we're divorced moving. we're moving my kids are out of college and we're gonna go somewhere else now and also and think about when you've made your decisions like you just boom just all of a sudden it came in like i don't know where this came from I'm just we're just gonna go this direction <laughs> right and so you just gotta always be building your bench 
It's, 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 it's the, it's, it's the piece that people miss from an employer standpoint the most. And if you are an individual that don't, that doesn't love to build a bench and you have the resources to do it, you bring in somebody, either HR or somebody else, or, you know, our organization, Hallie does a lot of the leadership training or our other individuals will be interviewing for other positions that are, you know, from the hierarchy standpoint that are lower down, but it's constant throughout our organization, right? So, you know, if you think about all of our our leaders, they're probably interviewing a hundred people a week when you factor in all of that different things. So there's always talent kind of being shown up in line. So that's what the part of the process is always building that from an employer standpoint. Then here's the other thing. As you do this and as you, this is why when I take somebody through like a career visioning process or they're coming in one of our trainings, I want people to go out there and interview somebody for, you know, 30 people in 30 days. Even if it's a screening interview, we'll give you the screening interview questions. We'll give you these things that can be 15, 30 minutes. It can be phone, Zoom, or in person, right? When you go through this, if you hit enough people, a critical mass, you'll then start to identify what separates people. If you interview 10 people, you may not, you, you're picking the best out of 10. But if you interview 30, 40, 50, hundreds over years, all of a sudden when you interview somebody, you go, that's what I'm looking for. But it takes time to do that. Otherwise, you're just gambling out of 10 people that you picked the best. How would a Navy SEAL team look if they picked Navy SEALs from 10 people, right? Like they would make do with what's there, but that's how organizations operate. Instead of saying, I need a Navy to find Navy SEALs. I need a million Navy, Navy soldiers to find six Navy SEALs, right? So the more mass that you have, the more people you're looking at, the higher level of quality of talent that you're bringing in in business equals people. So the more people that you're interviewing, the larger, the more you're going to see what talent looks like, and then you can bring them into your world. And that's, what's going to make all the difference. So we talked about, um, you know, I shared my story about coming into how that felt. Again, when you're going through reality, whether you're an employer or an employee, you're going to feel reality of the situation. Accept it, feel it, and then move on, right? Stay in your routine. Stay committed to going out there. If you're an employer and you have to let somebody go, don't always think, or if it's a staff reduction or whatever it is, don't think it's forever and go, I don't ever need to to interview for that position again. Immediately, you should a week or so later, you should start building a bench again. You should make sure that you're constantly building you that bench. already have a bench. Exactly. <laughs> you should be doing this constantly. So if you have to let three or four or five people go or whatever in any downturn is happening, you should also be, does any of these people I should stay and connect with so that when the organization, the business gets the income enough to be able to go back and hire them, I stay in contact with them, right? Um, if not, then you go back and you say, who can I be in relationship with? How can I be interviewing for these positions? to make sure I am building this bench so that as soon as the income and the businesses earn the right to hire these people, I'm ready to go. I'm not waiting for this thing. I, I So that's a, that's a big component of this thing. If you're 60 days out from hiring, you know, you should be well into this right now, right? You should have your five candidates picked and taking them through the process or pretty close to it as much as you can, or at least getting your foot on the gas for that. You're an employee and the situation happens again, whether it does or not, you should be on LinkedIn. You should be socializing. You should be looking at things. You should be updating your resume. You just, you're preparing yourself, right? And, and again, just like the employer needs to have a bench, bench. built, exactly. the candidate should be doing this all along. I mean, interviewing why just yes. why not just informational interviews to see what else is out there, mm-hmm. making sure your resume is up to date. Really, it's about doing all that stuff proactively so that if something happens, you're already ready to exactly. go. Exactly. It's like you're training yourself so if an event does unfold, you're not caught off guard. 
And that's when you're not caught off guard, you're able to be proactive instead of reactive. And that's what we're talking about here. And then again, when you're going through this, you're going to feel some emotions. Don't pretend you don't. Don't get angry. Don't renounce. 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 I keep saying that word wrong. How do you even say it? Renounce. Renounce. They don't renounce the world, right? So like, or be angry at it. Like I like a victim language that you come up if you get fired from this. Like the world's attacking me. No, it's not. It's just one little thing that's unfolding and just you just happen to get to see it. And then again, just understand paint. Okay. In a year from now, where do I want to be sitting? What do I want my life to look like? What decisions do I need to make? What industry do I want to be in? What do I really want to do? What do I really enjoy out of all of this process? Do that from a place of clarity, not a place of anger or jealousy or insecurity. Then you start to see opportunities that open up. And then because you're you're working your mind to actually work on some willful things instead of it just going around telling you how bad everything is, right? So use the mind for what it's designed to do, which is to help and support you when you want to use it. It's like your car just stays in your driveway when you're not using it. It doesn't just like all of a sudden take off. Right? It doesn't. It stays in the car and it's there for you to use when you need to use it to go to the store or to the gym or work or whatever it is. It's the same thing for your mind. Your mind just doesn't, you just allow it to take off instead of utilizing it for when you need to be able to use it to your advantage so that you can actually have clarity to be able to go out there and accomplish the things that you want to do. Hey, before you jump off, I want to let you all know about a free course that we just launched to really help everybody navigate through all of the challenges that we're all facing right now and really how to navigate these through a place of clarity. It's called Thrive Every Day, how to lead yourself and others in a new business landscape. And look, it's running for four weeks with two 30-minute sessions per week. And the reason why we have the two 30-minute sessions is to really make sure that we're pivoting on information and bringing it to you um, in real time as things come into play. We want to make sure we're bringing you all the information that we can so that you can continue to thrive personally with your family and in your business. Uh, Carrie Heibel Briner, our president of coaching, is going to be running it. But guess what? I will be jumping in throughout as well, too, to kind of share some nuggets of what we're seeing uh, in the business landscape in in terms of just uh, overall clarity during these times as well, too. So we're really looking forward to you uh, jumping into this. It has already started, but all of the recordings are available and you can watch on on demand anytime. We're kind of like that new Universal Studios. They're releasing movies out right now. We're releasing this, whatever you want to as well too. So jump into those. Make sure you're listening to them. Share them if they're great for you. Uh, love to hear from you. So go to adamhergenrother.com forward slash thrive to sign up for the course and we will see you there. <laughs>